Would you turn in your Bibles to the prophet Micah? So go to the Old Testament, right in the middle of the minor prophets, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Can anybody keep going? Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Good. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5a. And he shall be their peace. Would you stand please for the reading of God's word? But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your promises. And we know that all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus. We thank you for the peace that comes through our shepherd king, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would open our hearts today, that you would grant your word success by the Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us, strengthen us, comfort us, challenge us, and change us to be more like Jesus. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior Jesus, amen. You may be seated. The prophet Micah prophesied around the time of Isaiah. So when Assyria was invading and taking over everything, Isaiah and Micah were prophesying judgment and salvation, the promises of the Lord that would come through a future king, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is around 700 BC. The northern kingdom has already fallen to the Assyrians in 722, and Micah prophesies by the Holy Spirit. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, takes us back to 1 Samuel 17, verse 12, and Ruth chapter 1, verse 2, where those three words are used, Bethlehem Ephratah and Judah, looking at the insignificance of this little city. Too little to be among the clans of Judah, 
too insignificant to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. This is the one who is coming as the servant of the Lord. To us, a child is given. To us, a son will be born. And he will be the prince of peace. He'll be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, according to the promises made to David, the Davidic covenant, that there will be one from his line that will come, and he will sit on the throne and rule and reign in righteousness forever and ever. And therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand, he shall take his stand, take his place, and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Over the past several years, we have gone through much turmoil. We've had incredible anxiety, chaos, striving and stressing, fighting and conflict. You might have had fighting and conflict even in your own families over mask wearing, over political issues, all of those things, we have experienced so much conflict and animosity and discord and friction and even hostility. And all of this is evidence of a lack of peace. And yet we're going to see in this message today the promise of peace and the price of peace. And the people of peace. And Lord willing, we're going to see some applications to us as the people of peace, of how we're to preach peace and pursue peace and guard the peace, protect the peace, and how we're to pursue peace even in the midst of difficult circumstances and inner peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need peace, amen? And the Lord promised that he would send peace. So let's look, number one, the promise of peace. The Lord promises peace through the shepherding ministry of his Christ, of his Messiah. Notice the shepherding ministry, and you see this all over the Old Testament, the shepherding ministry of the Christ, the shepherd king. Verse 4, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Notice that peace comes as a person. The shepherd king the Messiah of the Lord. 
In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, the prophet says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Peace comes as a person born as a baby, the son of David who will reign in righteousness and justice forever and ever and ever. In Ezekiel chapter 34, the prophet says, thus says the Lord, verse 11, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered. The Lord is pronouncing judgment on the false shepherds, on the unfaithful shepherds, the leaders of Israel during that time. They were taking care of themselves and they weren't taking care of the flock of God, the people of Israel. And so the Lord says, I myself will come and I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them. And he says in verse 13, he says, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. Verse 14, I will feed them with good pasture on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself, the Lord says, will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. You see, the picture is of safety and abundance and security. And normally, the, the sheep lie down in the sheepfold where their shepherd is standing between them and anything that would harm them. And yet we see that as the Lord being our shepherd, we lie down in open pasture, abundant pasture, green pastures, where we eat rich foods and we lie down in safety and security and we rest. The Lord gives sleep to his beloved we can rest under the shepherding care of the Lord. In verse 22, he says, I will rescue my flock. Verse 23, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. 
I am the Lord. I have spoken. Micah prophesies of this prince, of this son of David, of this servant, shepherd, king that will come and he will shepherd the people of God in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the flock, for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd that is promised. Jesus is the son of David that is promised. Peace comes as a person. What does peace mean? Peace has a wide range of meaning in the Old Testament. You know the Hebrew word shalom. And it means multiple things. There's a, a wide range of meaning It means safety and security. In Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, it says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Safety and security. It also means quietness of soul or rest. In Isaiah chapter 32, verses 17 to 18, it says, And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever, or quietness and security forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. So peace means safety and security, quietness of soul and rest. But peace also means welfare or well-being. In Jeremiah chapter 29, when the prophet is speaking to those exiles, and the false prophets are saying, don't unpack your bags You're not staying. You're going to go back home real soon. And Jeremiah, by the word of the Lord, is saying, no, unpack your bags. You're you're going to be here a long time, 70 years. And he says this, verse 4 and following of Jeremiah 29, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare. Now watch this word welfare. Behind it is the Hebrew word shalom. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord, excuse me, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So seek the shalom of the city where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its shalom you will find your shalom. Speaking of the ministry 
of the people of God among a lost people. To pray for the people. Seek their welfare. And all of this is peace, welfare, well-being. But also it means an absence of conflict, a rest from war and strife. And we might be most familiar with this kind of definition, absence of conflict, peace. In First Chronicles chapter 22, verses 6 to 10, the Lord says, Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies because his name shall be Solomon or Shlomo. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son and I will be his father and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. He shall be a man of rest. The Lord says, I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies. For his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in all his days. So it means an absence of conflict, rest from war and strife. So peace comes as a person but also, I want us to see that peace comes at a price. And you might wonder, why does it come at a price? What is necessary for there to be peace? So let's look at number two, the price of peace. To understand the price of peace, we need to understand the condition of mankind outside of a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. See, here's the situation of mankind. Outside of Christ, we are hostile towards God. Romans 8, verse 7. We are enemies of God. Romans 5, verse 10. We are children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And we are devoid of peace completely devoid of peace. Isaiah 48 and 57 says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There's no peace. There's no rest from war and strife. There's no well-being, welfare. There's no quietness of soul. There's no safety and security outside of Christ. There may be many things that people pursue to try to mask that reality, but the reality for lost people is that there is no peace. Constant conflict on the inside. And you might be wrestling right now saying, I'm constantly at war within myself. I'm constantly at war within my family, within my friends, at work. There's constant war, there's constant strife. I can't lay my head on my pillow at night without being anxious. 
We're so prone to wonder. Even the people of the Lord find themselves struggling in those ways. But remember, peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And we don't have to live that way as the people of God. But what was God's solution in order to make peace, to bring peace, so that we could be reconciled to him? Well, here's the solution of a very kind God, and it's reconciliation by the blood of Jesus. The Lord provides peace at the price of the substitutionary sacrifice of his Christ. Peace comes at a price. In Isaiah chapter 53, we see the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, peace comes at the price of the substitutionary sacrifice of the Messiah. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, the Apostle Paul says this, For in him, meaning Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of of his cross, there's the price. The price is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter five, the apostle Paul tells us about reconciliation with God. And he says this in verses eight and following, he says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, or since now we've been made right with God, we've been declared righteous in his sight, we've been forgiven and accepted for Christ's sake, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And he says in chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So the Lord provides peace at the price of the blood of Christ, the precious blood, the spotless blood of the Lamb. John Calvin says this, peace means tranquility of conscience, which arises from this, that it feels itself to be reconciled to God. Let me ask you this. Are you reconciled to God? Have you been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been declared righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ that is counted to you and received by faith alone? Tranquility of conscience where you know that you're right with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, peace comes not only as a person and comes at a price, but peace produces a people, a different kind of people. So let's see number three, the people of peace. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and following. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, speaking of Jews and Gentiles, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We're the people of peace. We've been reconciled to God and to each other through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a reconciled people. We have peace with God and we're called to be at peace with one another. In all circumstances in life, we're called to be at peace. In all relationships in life, we're called to be at peace. We're to be a people of peace. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says... And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. See, our lives are to be governed by the peace of Christ. And as the people of God, we're to preach peace, we're to pursue peace, and we're to preserve peace. Listen to what the Scriptures say, verse 12 or chapter 12 verse 18 of Romans if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord Romans 14 verse 19 so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. 
First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13 says, Be at peace among yourselves. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. Paul says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. And that word bearing with is not carrying burdens. It's putting up with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, we don't create peace. The Lord has created peace. The Lord has brought the peace. Our responsibility is to maintain it. So I want to give us four things that we can do to pursue and to preserve peace in the body of Christ. Number one, deal with sin. Get the log out of your own eyes and seek forgiveness and pursue reconciliation. It's one of the things that we are so lacking in the body of Christ is to walk in the way of Christ, to obey the scriptures, and to seek forgiveness and pursue reconciliation in the body of Christ. There are so many people walking around who have been offended and hurt, who are mad at somebody else in the body of Christ, and they won't do anything about it. They won't pursue peace, and yet we're called to pursue peace, to be at peace among ourselves. So deal with sin. Get the log out of your own eye. Ask the Lord to show you anything that's hindering you in the relationship, anything that you're doing, anything that that you can't see the situation rightly because of your own sin. And then go, go to your brother, go to your sister and seek forgiveness and pursue reconciliation. Number two, deal with weaknesses. Weaknesses are not sins. These are the things that we put up with one another with. We bear with one another's weaknesses. We're patient with one another. We put up with one another. We bear or bear with one another. We believe the best about one another. So many times, the things that bother us in other people are really just exposing sins in our own lives. Impatience. We want people to do things our way. So we're imposing ourselves as the standard upon other people. We're not patient. So deal with sin, but also deal with weaknesses by being patient with one another and putting up with one another. Number three, guard your mouth. Don't speak negatively about other people. Don't share the things that frustrate you or that you don't like about other people. The Bible calls this gossip and grumbling. And many times, we hide it under the guise of prayer requests, 
seeking counsel. We go to other people to seek their counsel about what you're to do in a situation, and you share with the other people all of the things that you're frustrated about somebody else under the guise of seeking counsel when you have no intent on seeking reconciliation. You're just grumbling and gossiping. If you want to pursue and preserve the peace in the body of Christ, then guard your mouth. And number four, speak words of grace. Speak words that encourage, encourage one another, build one another up, strengthen one another in the Lord. There's not enough encouragement in the body of Christ. We should be people of encouragement. We should recognize what the Lord is doing in other people's lives and celebrate that and encourage them in that. So speak words of grace. So that's how we pursue and preserve peace in the body of Christ in relationships. What about in your own life, just your personal inner man? You may be dealing in some difficult situations right now where you find yourself not at peace, not at rest, incredible anxiety. I want to share with you Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and then see five things that will help us pursue peace in challenging circumstances. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So here's five things that we can do to pursue peace in challenging circumstances. Number one, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So many times we're finding our joy in the circumstances. We're pursuing joy in other things where the Lord says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust on him and he will do it. We need to find our joy in the Lord. And when we know that we have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ, we can have the joy of the Lord at any time. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ so we can rejoice. And number two, seek the Lord in prayer. Notice what Paul said. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Seek the Lord in prayer. Cast your burdens on him because he cares for you. Bring your burdens to the Lord. Don't carry them. The Lord says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's not just a call to the unbelieving to come find your rest, eternal rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a continual call for the people of God to find their rest in Jesus and stop trying to find their rest in other things. Rejoice in the Lord, seek the Lord in prayer, and give thanks in all things. The Bible says, give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And Paul says, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. We should be a grateful people. We should be a thankful people. And when we're thankful, we're rejoicing in the Lord, it changes everything. It changes our perspective on our circumstances. Give thanks in all things. And Paul says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you in your head all the time? Worrying about what's next, worrying about the situation, worrying about the things that you can't control. Rejoice. Seek the Lord in prayer. Give thanks. Look to the Lord and he will guard your heart and your minds with the very peace of God. But fourth, fourthly, fill your thoughts with what is true and lovely. Fill your thoughts with what is true and lovely. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fill your thoughts with truth and meditate on those things. And the God of peace will be with you. Number five, walk in obedience to the scriptures. Notice what he says in verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So pray, seek the Lord, give thanks, Fill your thoughts with what's true and lovely and walk in obedience to the scriptures and you will have peace, the peace that passes all understanding. You know, we say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside waters of rest or still waters. He restores my soul. We say those things. And yet the reality is that Jesus, the Davidic king, the shepherd king, has come to give us abundant life. He's come to give us rest. He's come to give us peace. And yet so many times 
We don't look to the shepherding care of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's standing and he's shepherding us and we're not acting like it makes a difference. And our passage today from Micah says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Is the Lord Jesus Christ himself your peace? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we believe that you make a difference in our lives. And I pray that we would live like it. Lord, you have changed us. You have made us your people. You've reconciled us to God through faith in Jesus Christ. You've opened our eyes that we could see the glory of King Jesus. And yet so many times we don't act like what is true. So I pray that by the power of the Spirit that you would help us today to believe your words, to believe the Scriptures, and that we would experience the peace that passes all understanding in all circumstances and in all relationships. And that we would experience that tranquility of soul, of tranquility of conscience that knows that we've been reconciled to God. So I pray that you would minister to your people today by the power of your Holy Spirit working through the Word and that you would let peace flow like a river today. And Lord, for those who do not have peace with God, who are at enmity with God, who are hostile to God, enemies of God, or indifferent to God. I pray that the words of the prophet would sink in today. There is no peace for the wicked. And that they would see themselves as sinners and separated from God. That the wrath of God is coming on their sins. That they would look to the Savior and flee to the Savior for refuge in the shepherding care of the Lord Jesus Christ through His death and resurrection and continued ministry now as He rules and reigns in righteousness. So save sinners today, grant peace today, for the glory of our Christ we pray, amen.